started a series last week called Disruption. It's uh, something that's been in my heart, obviously, with everything that's going on, and uh, wanted to talk through how that applies to what God's doing in our life. And so last week, I talked a little bit about how disruption comes and <clears throat> some stories of how that happens, obviously, in business and different things like that. Um, but I defined a couple of terms. One of those was, uh, obviously, was disruption, and, and it's a disturbance or problem which interrupts an event activity or process but here's the kicker it's often permanent and so it's big difference between disruption and interruption <clears throat> which quite frankly is what we're used to uh, interruption happens often and it grabs our attention but often it, whatever causes the interruption can go away and we can get back to what we call normal and as we've talked about before as we kind of go into this next season of our lives uh, whether that's the church whether that's um uh, as a family or business or whatever that looks like, obviously whatever normal used to be, it's not going to be like that as we kind of go back. Um, we saw this, of course, um, in 9-11, after 9-11, how things changed and uh, security obviously became a big deal in our country and how that kind of affected people. But there was an interesting thing that happened. Um, a lot of people turned back to God during that season. And that's something that, of course, we're praying for as a church, praying for as just people of God, because um, again, our heart is to see people have everything that Jesus meant for them to have, to walk in the fullness of, of their inheritance. And so often we're walking in so much less. And so we talked about some of those things and uh, we talked about uh, a lesson from scripture and talked about uh, Peter in Acts chapter 10 and the story of Peter and Cornelius and how uh, Peter had an idea of how everything was going to go forward after the resurrection, after Easter had come. And, uh, and it talks about him being in Joppa. And it talks about how uh, uh, right before it, it introduces Peter, it talks of Cornelius and the prayer that had been lifted up in his heart and his passion towards God. And, uh, and Cornelius, of course, was not a Jew. And so he was, uh, uh, he was kind of outside uh, the household of Israel. And so he prayed and the Lord said, sin for Peter. And it's very interesting how the, you know, it wasn't just lips from heaven that came and presented the gospel that, that God wanted to use men and he chooses to use men. And so something to keep in mind that the Lord, um, he chooses to do things a certain way. And we can talk about whether we like that or not. We can talk about whether we think that's right or not. But in the end, God's bigger than we are. And at some point, there's a submission that needs to come on our part. The good news is submitting to God is an easy thing because he's good. Uh, I know that gets questioned a lot, especially in the culture and especially in the, the, the stuff that's going on. Uh, but again, in that story, Peter hears from Jesus and, and, uh, and he's challenged three times. He's challenged with this picture and he's totally disrupted. He's, he's, he's wondering, the Bible says, when the men from Joppa uh, or the men from Cornelius come and knock on the door at the home he's in. And, and he has to make a decision about what to do about that. And so he hears the voice of God and he moves forward. And of course, he goes there. And as we talked about last week, it changed everything, changed everything about what Jesus meant. The whole thing he'd been talking about for three years with them, much of it they had misunderstood and they thought they understood, but they actually didn't. And I think that's so true with us. It doesn't mean when we, when we miss something or we get something wrong or we, we thought we heard from the Lord and then it turns out we didn't. It doesn't mean that we don't love Jesus. It doesn't even mean that we haven't been with him. Um, revelation is a progressive thing. We see this throughout scripture. And so don't, don't beat yourself up for having missed God or thought God said something in the past and it turned out that he didn't. The whole, the whole point of that scripture is that when disruption came, it captured Peter's attention 
And he had to make a decision about submitting to what God was saying and going in the direction that God called him to and not in maybe the popular opinion or even the desires that he had in his own heart and how everything changed. And because of that, you and I have heard the gospel as Gentiles. And so this week, we want to talk about another story in scripture. This is found in Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 6 through 10. So I'm just going to read it. But uh, let me kind of set the story up. This is Paul's second uh, missionary journey, uh, missional. You know, his heart was to go and take the gospel to the world. He'd come from a church that had sent him out to go and help plant churches and build churches in other communities. So it wasn't just this thing where you go to other countries and you come back and, you know, and you hope for the best. Paul's whole plan in this was planting churches was building disciples, was making disciples and building disciples and then releasing them to the call that God had on their own lives in their own region, in their own area. And uh, and God hasn't changed. Um, So Acts chapter 16, kind of pick up the story. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And so the province of Asia in the Roman time was not Asia as we think of it, but it was the the region of Turkey at the time. And so what was interesting is the Bible says the Holy Spirit had kept them from going into Turkey. And so I've, I've contemplated that many times it's like what what was wrong with turkey and that's usually our first question you know is what's so bad about turkey that god doesn't want missionaries to go there and that's not the way it, it, the way it works we know this from our you know things that happen in our own life um we don't know for sure why god said no uh he never said no to to turkey as a matter of fact we see paul go there in in uh, other journeys in his in his trips in uh as a missionary and as uh reaching out in the gospel and we see other uh, uh apostles and disciples go there as well so it was never that god had no intention of bringing the gospel to that area um for the most part it was probably a timing thing um but here's the big thing is we don't really know and oftentimes scripture doesn't tell us which is, uh, which is a telling thing. Sometimes we, we're, so, we're so desirous of answers that if we're not careful, we create our own. And that's a really dangerous thing to do. And so he goes on in verse 7, uh, Acts 16, 7. It says, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So again, you see this restriction where they're wanting to go in a certain direction and the Holy Spirit is res- restricting them. Is hold- he's holding them back. Verse 8 says, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And so they had plans to take the gospel in different places, and this is one of them. And so they end up in Troas. And then verse 9 says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia. It says uh, he was standing and begging him, please come over to Macedonia and help us. It wasn't just help me, and it wasn't probably a specific person that Paul ended up finding what it really came to was it was a it, it was a call to go into that arena and go into that area and that region and bring the gospel there. Um, verse 10 is very interesting. It says, after Paul had seen the vision, we, this is probably in the book of Acts, uh, Luke talking is in the group of we, he says, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Listen to this word, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So this series of events where they, they're trying to push into an area and then all of a sudden there's a disruption. The Holy Spirit comes and says, no, I don't want you to go there. And so the first thing that comes is just stop. And, and so often this happens in our life. Um, we, we're moving in a certain direction. Our nation is moving in a certain direction. The world has been moving in a certain direction. There are certain things that we call normal. Whether they're good, bad, or indifferent doesn't really make any difference. The point is that, some, that sometimes something just stops and disrupts us. 
Um, you know, the, the title graphic for this series is, is a man running towards a bridge and the bridge is out. And, and that's kind of this picture of what disruption looks like. That bridge, it, it, it's permanent. That, that's, it's down and it's not going up anytime soon, especially in this man's journey. And this has happened to us in many ways. Uh, we've had challenges in our families. We've had challenges in relationships with people. We've had challenges in our, our work, business, um, how we shop, literally everything. There's been a disruption. And so there's several things that can happen that when that disruption comes in terms of what do you do next when you come up to a place where you have to stop. And that's kind of where we are. Um, when disruption comes, I wrote this down, when disruption comes, God closes doors and opens others. And this is something that we've got to pay attention to. Let me read you this. In verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout this region, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia or Turkey. And so a door closed. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bith- Bithynia. Another door closed. It says the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So what happens when a door closes? Oftentimes we try to push through anyway and we end up getting ourselves in trouble. And uh, if God closes the door, really two things are probably happening. One is he's, he's doing something out of protection. So let me just give you an illustration. I've shared this before, but if you're new to DCF, if you're watching online, uh, maybe you haven't heard this story, but I was working in, uh, in uh, Louisiana and, and I had this sense of the Lord saying, hey, I want you to, to abandon this and, and withdraw from it, this, this uh, venture, this business venture that I was in. And we had invested some money, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and long story short, I heard that and I went to the, to the owner of the company who had who said, hey, come and partner with me. He was actually giving me a, a tremendous opportunity. But I heard the Lord say, don't go in there. Don't go there. And so I, I said no and I walked away and he was confused, of course, and I was a little bit. I just know that I'd heard the Lord say it. And I come back. We were living in Destiny at the time, traveling into Louisiana. And I came back and it was, it was fa- fascinating within just a few weeks Hurricane Katrina came, and the business I was working for had over a thousand clients. We were building this business, had over a thousand clients, and lost all of them in a day. Literally everything that was bringing business in or money into this business was gone in a day. Talk about a disruption. But here's the thing the Lord didn't, I didn't have to wait for that to happen. For, for me to make a decision about what to do next. I was already, if for lack of a better term, had a head start as a believer into something different and this turns out into something better. But when God closes a door, in that sense, he was protecting me. He was protecting my family. He was protecting the purpose and the vision and the mission that God had me on. Second reason um, he closes the door, and this ties into that same story, is he often opens a door into something new. A better door, a greater door opens. And so very often what happens in our immaturity when, when we're moving forward, especially if we're passionate and we're driven, we're, we're stopped. This bridge is out and we're just, it just catches us off guard. And if we're not careful, we, we will ascribe to the Lord things that are not true about him. You, you're withholding from you. The picture, the best picture of is Israel when, when, they're taken, when they're taken from Egypt out of slavery, out of bondage. They come out with all of the gold. They come out with everything that the, that the Egyptians owed them for centuries. And they're going into the desert and the Lord has promised them. He's, he's shown them that he's going to take them through. And he's promised them. But the journey involves some challenges, some disruptions. And, and the, these disruptions come. And one of the first things that happens is in their heart, they long to go back to, to Egypt. They long literally to go back into slavery because it was familiar 
And that's such a tragedy, and we do that so often. We want to go back to what was familiar, but familiar was not always what was best. And oftentimes, familiar was slavery. And so the Lord comes, and He's like, I'm going to, I've shown you. It's not like this is new. I'm showing you I can do great things. You have to trust that I'm good and that the reason I close this door is because I'm, I'm opening a door into something greater. And so two reasons, to protect you from something. The Lord closes a door. Oftentimes, though, he, he closes the door because he's about to open a more amazing door. And so keep that in, in mind. But uh, Acts 15, 28, just a little bit before this story, there's a fascinating uh, uh series of events called the Jerusalem Council. And Paul and some of these guys go and they're having some discussion about, uh, for, I mean, really, it was about some of those things that came out of the story of, of Peter and Cornelius and what it meant to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and what was required from the law and all these. They were, they were asking these questions and there's this incredible phrase that comes out of this council of, of the greatest men. I mean, these men had spent time with, with Jesus, three years with Jesus. They had risen in their faith. They had pushed back against uh, the Roman uh, uh, authorities to preach the gospel. They were seeing the church explode in growth and, and they're having questions about direction and what all this means. And it's, it's fascinating. This is what it says. It says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. So we read scripture so often and just jump past it. But what's really amazing is you see this passage of scripture and there's, it's so rich and full of meaning. It says, it seemed good. In other words, it wasn't 100%. Like you, you, you hear people say this all the time. God told me. Like, man, be careful with that. Be careful with God told me because it, it's so final and it's, and it's so absolute and it leaves no room, no wiggle room. And, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having tremendous faith, especially if you know the Lord said something. But too often we say that when the Lord hasn't really told us, we're just trying to figure it out. We're in the process of finding direction and going in direction. And here are these incredible men of God who definitely heard from the Lord in many ways said this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so this is interesting. It didn't say it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit, because that's how often we do it. We come up with our own devices. We see a door closed. We ascribe meaning to it that may or may not be true. And then we begin to think through direction. We get opinions sometimes of ungodly people, or we, we allow the world to bring fear, and that causes us to make decisions. And so all, our decision-making process is built out of us first and the Holy Spirit second. Sometimes not at all, if we're honest. But that's not how the Lord teaches us. The Lord teaches us that what we're supposed to do first is hear from the Lord. Get clarity from what God is saying in our lives. So how do you find your way in disruption? What do you do? When you run up on this bridge and this bridge is out, this, this door closes in your life, what do you do? Do you just stop? We see this happen so often that we just literally sit down in our brokenness, in our misery, and we just give up. And, and that happens many, many times. And what's happening often is it's absolutely overwhelming. And, and there's a good sense, if you're sensing that and you're feeling that, then, then there was a lot of investment in the direction that you had that may not have been God. 
And so it's helpful to know that. It's one reason why having people in your life, godly people in your life that you can bounce things off of, you can process, you can discuss things, and, and you can discover what, what God is saying because you're, you're, when you bring something to someone, they're like, man, I don't know if that's the Lord. That's a good indication of wisdom to pursue that. doesn't mean that it isn't from the Lord. It just means that you, it, makes, it makes you more careful and, and to, to pursue this with wisdom rather than just pushing through. So what happens when a bridge is out? There's several options. Um, one of them is, is simply this. You can keep going and you can suffer for it. This is Proverbs 22.3. I've preached on this many times. It says, A prudent or a wise person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton or the fool goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So the first thing you don't want to do is keep going in that direction. I, I think about what, Paul, what might have happened to Paul and the team had they disobeyed God and pressed into Mysia, especially if it was a thing of protection. There may not have been a, a third or a fourth missionary journey. There may not have been some of the stories, some of the Bible uh, uh, books of the Bible that Paul wrote because he pressed on and pushed past in disobedience and end up ending his life and, and going to his appointment before he was due, uh, to put it bluntly. So you can, you can keep going and you can suffer for it. Second thing you can do when the bridge is out or a disruption comes is you can stop altogether and do nothing. We just talked about that. You can sit down in, in the ashes, the sense of overwhelm. But here's the thing, you don't need the whole answer. You don't need to know the why. Paul didn't ask the why. He just said, well, let's try this. Let's, it, it, we, got, we, we felt like we were supposed to go here. Let's try this and see if this is where the Lord is saying or if this is the wrong season. And he, every place he tried, the Holy Spirit kept saying no. And what it did is it caused Paul to come back to a place, um, not stop and do nothing, which is sometimes what we want to do, but he stopped and he considered what God was actually trying to say. He actually gave time to hear the voice of God in his life. So often we don't do that. We want to press on. It's like, oh, we got to strike while the iron is hot. There's an opportunity, and those are wonderful things, and I think we should be ready for those um, to jump, when it, when, especially when it fits the criteria. But so often we we're, we're just deceive ourselves into thinking we want this, and because we want this, this is God. And the moment we begin to go down that road, we push away any wisdom that comes from anybody in our life that's trying to bring godly counsel and godly wisdom, and it always, always ends in destruction. Every single time. I've been doing this 30 years, and every single time, you even warn them, you say, man, listen, if you keep going down this road, this is what's going to happen. doesn't matter. They just stick in their fingers in their ears and start singing, and they press on. And the key is in those situations as leaders, as 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 parents in, in, in discipleship as we lead and, and help grow others, we love people anyway because what they need when they hit that bridge that's out is not you tell them, telling them so. What they need is someone to help them pick up the pieces and hopefully they grow from it. Not always, but hopefully. The third thing you can do is you can make your own way. And there's a scripture that speaks to this. It says, there's a, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it's death. And so popular opinion is not always what God is trying to do. It doesn't mean it isn't. It just means that be careful of something that everybody's doing. It's not always something that God wants to do. Um, fourthly, is this, this was an interesting one, is, is you can live by principle alone. And I kind of alluded to this in some of the others. It, it, it's, just, it's to not pursue the voice of God. It's not pursue relationship, but to live by principle alone. There's a, there's a tremendous deception in the body of Christ that really 
It really drives me crazy. And that's this, that the Lord is no longer doing actively what he did in the book of Acts and in the Gospels, that he has stopped being alive, for lack of a, a better term. And so we start living our scripture, or living our life from scripture alone. And don't get me wrong, that is the foundation. That is a revelation to us of who God is and how he works and his character and all those things. But it's, it's a framework, it's a place, it's boundaries that, that give us the ability to have a real relationship with a living God. He's not dead. There's a scripture in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 that, that speaks about these, these idols, these mute idols, these dumb idols. And, and it talks about no longer listening to them, but then it goes on and starts talking about all the supernatural ways that God moves in our lives, the way we hear the voice of God, the way we see Him work in, in our midst, all those things. And, the, and the, the indication is that God is alive, that He longs to have relationship with you, that it's not just a, I told you once and then I'm never going to talk to you again until you come to heaven. That is not the character of the God that we see in Scripture. So it's not about just living by principle alone, just trying to make your own way. That's... It seemed good to us, but no Holy Spirit. And so Paul knew he was on a mission. This mission was not of his own making. This is a big deal. Um, we often try to find the voice of God in doing what we want to do. It, and, and if we're not careful, we forget that we are in submission to God. Just simply means I'm con- coming underneath another man's mission. Sub underneath mission. And so if we forget that, then what happens is we begin to peel off and begin to do our own thing and call it God and then wonder why destruction and brokenness comes out of that mess. And so it's always helpful, like Paul did, to come back to, I know I've been called to preach the gospel. So I'm trying to go in directions that are already accordance with the call that's on my life. And so he begins to pursue it. And yet in this process, he hears from the voice of God and that's kind of the key. So here's, here's the lesson. Proverbs 25.2 kind of wraps this up. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. I don't like that scripture. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. In other words, he does it on purpose. Often he does it on purpose. But listen to the rest of that scripture. It says, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And so there's this picture, this holy priesthood, this royal priesthood, this this fact that we are the sons and the daughters of the king of the most high. And so it speaks to the glory of God saying he, he withholds some things. He holds it in confidence to himself and those he wants to reveal it to. And the whole design is when he does that is not because he wants to withhold it from you because he's he's evil or or we ascribe to him every terrible thing that we should ascribe to the enemy. No, not at all. What it, what it means is he's withholding it because he longs for you and I as royal sons to come and search out a matter with him. God, what are you saying? What are you thinking? What's your way in this process? What do you think? Who are, who are you in this to me? And going after this, it, it, the whole design is to draw you close to God. It's literally the point. And so when the bridge is out, when disruption has come, you can, you can, you can ascribe to the Lord that He is withholding from, for whatever reason, He's withholding information, He's withholding direction, or you can realize He's drawing you into intimacy with Him and He's longing to have conversation with you because it's not just about the direction that He's called you into. It's about Him being in the journey with you along the way. And that's the point. 
His heart and His longing is to be with you. We know this because in, in, in the book of Genesis, we see when Adam sins, the first thing that happens is the Bible says he runs away from God and he hides. He had been walking with Him in the cool of the day. It's a beautiful picture of intimacy and friendship and, 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 just, and just walking together. It was a normal everyday thing. And because of Adam's sin, he withdrew himself. He made coverings of first of, of plants and then eventually you know, God made coverings out of animals, speaks to sacrifice and all of those things to bring it back. But then you see the picture of Jesus in the garden and, and his prayer. And, and the whole picture is he lets go of one, this, this walking away from God, and he paints a picture of because of what Jesus did in the gospel that we can come boldly before the throne of grace for help in time of need. So the gospel calls us to run to him, not away from him. But what if I missed it? Karen mentioned that when we opened our service. What if I missed it? What if I blown it? What if I sinned? What if I sinned royally? The answer is that's a bridge that's out. It's just another way of looking at it. And, and it doesn't mean that the way is blocked. It just means that whatever that destruction occurred, that now there's a, there's a voice from heaven to say, this is the way, walk in it. And coming back to the Lord and coming back to that place of intimacy, realizing that Jesus paid for every brokenness, every sin, every missing the mark, so that we could literally live in the mark. We could be in the moment without judgment of condescension, guilt, shame, none of that because of what Jesus did. And so what does God have for you? When one door shuts... What does he have? The answer is he probably has another door. Matter of fact, I'm certain he has another door that's opening. There must be, though, an expectation of good from a good God. Stop, let's stop ascribing to God what is not true of his character, of, of, of his person, of his nature, of, of his actions, of his ways. They're just not true. We can't come to God with our own thinking. We have to Literally, we have to let that thinking die and be transformed by renewing of our mind. Why? Because it's a revelation of who He is. We can't make Him be what we want Him to be or wish Him to be or, or make Him like us. The Bible says, literally, I am altogether not like you, but we are like Him. And when we get to know Him, what we discover is He is drawing us in to the fullness of that, that relationship. So let me ask you this. Have you... In this dis disruption, in these challenges that have come, have you taken time, like Paul did, to say, I see doors shutting in different directions? And that only means one thing. Lord, where are the doors opening for me? We're doing this as a church. We're doing this as a family. We're doing this, uh, many people are doing this in business. One business door or job has closed down and, and you can ascribe to the Lord anger because of that fear you can you can that can come up or you can say god what are you doing here i know the enemy meant it for harm doesn't mean god brought this this condemnation or brought this destruction that's not what it means it just means when the enemy tries to destroy that no matter what he he does he cannot take away what god has put in place he's not bigger than the lord and so i just want to challenge you that you can grow you can progress you can step into the fullness of everything that God has for you because there is an inheritance that is set up for you through obedience. It just simply means this, not obedience in doing everything perfectly well, but obedience in following after God through the gospel. 
in Christ. His way, not your own way. Not trying to live by laws, not try to live by rules and regulations, none of those things, but allowing a real relationship, a change and a new nature in your heart to begin to start from the inside, which is what Jesus said needed to happen, and come from the inside out. That what begins on the inside begins to take over the outside, and who you are on the inside begins to be what everyone sees and what your life looks like on the outside. So I want to encourage you, take a minute, maybe this week, spend some time, if you haven't done this already, and just begin to pursue the Lord and say, God, what are you saying? I see the doors closing all around me, but I know you're good, and I know you didn't leave me here to die. I know you didn't bring me out into the desert with all of this gold just to abandon me, because that's not in your nature, not who you are. So if, if that's not who you are, then who are you in this? What are you drawing me into? What are you bringing me into? It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search a matter out. So I want to challenge you as you go into this week. Search this out. God, what are you saying? And at the end of the day, discipleship questions are just two, no matter where you are in the journey. Lord, what are you saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? So let me pray for us. Lord, we just say thank you so much. God, that you are not unkind. Um, Lord, you, we will not ascribe to you what is from the enemy. Lord, your word says um, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we see the markings of the enemy in this crisis that we're involved in right now. But Lord, your word says, it goes on to say, but you come to bring life. Even in the destruction of what the enemy means for destruction and harm, you come to bring life. And so, Lord, let your life arise in me. Let that sense of joy, let that sense of wonder, let that sense of adventure arise in me. Let fear fall away. Let faith arise in me, Lord. Let that faith rise to trust you and believe you for a new door opening, a greater door opening. That purpose, Lord, because you've called me into mission, not just to go do my own thing, but to follow hard after you and the call that you have on my life. Lord, the primary one of those being to reconcile men to you. And so, Lord, let that be the freedom that comes from my life, that I have been reconciled, and because of that, I can reconcile others. And in the meantime, Lord, let your glory be displayed in my life as I obey and run hard after you and listen for your voice and ascribe to you the wonder and the goodness and the glory that is truly you. And so, Lord, we trust you for new doors, Lord. We trust you to see those doors open, to get clarity of thought, Lord so that it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we should do this thing. And for that, Lord, we say thank you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.